You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading today is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's something you need to know about me. I am a method dork. That's Methodist plus dork. Actually, I'm a United Method dork. I was born uh, after the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church uh, merged together to become the United Methodist Church, but I have been a Methodork my whole life, a United Methodist my whole life, born and raised. I was at church all the time as a kid. People thought I lived there. <clears throat> when I was in sixth grade, we had to do a paper on a historical figure, and I, of course, wrote about John Wesley. When I was in high school, I became involved in our conference youth ministry and uh, would go to meetings and learned Robert's Rules of Orders, Robert's Rules of Order as a 14, 15 year old, something I still appreciate very much today. I learned about the United Methodist discipline and I have always found our Methodist history fascinating. That's why I'm teaching this class on revival, which talks about how the Methodist church was a revival. You see, Methodism started not as a new denomination, but John Wesley, who was an Anglican priest, wanted to revive the Anglican church. And He was an Anglican priest like his father and his brother, and so he sought to try to do things differently. And when he went off to Oxford, he there was a part of a holy club. And these holy clubs really took their spiritual lives seriously. So they would spend time together talking about discipline, having a spiritual discipline, and all of the things that they would do. They would read the Bible and pray, and they would help and serve in the prisons and in the orphanages, and they kept a very strict discipline, and that's how they got the name Methodist. It wasn't a term of endearment. People were making fun of them because they were following this method so strictly. But one of the things about these Methodists, these holy clubs that I liked best, is that they would often begin their gatherings together 
with the question, how is it with your soul? Not how you doing, or what's up, how's it going, but how is it with your soul? It's a question that really, I think, seeks to know the answer. You can't answer that with, it's fine, right? That kind of a question seeks to know more, and so I wonder, how is it with your soul? How are you caring for your spiritual self? Who in your life checks on your soul? Is your faith life feeling stale? Does it need a revival? Where is your relationship with God on your to-do list? During the early days of trains, flagmen would take their place in the middle of the street. The flagman's job was to stop all of the traffic as a train approached. During the day, he would take out his stop sign and stop the cars as they came. And then at night, he would wave a lantern. One dark night at a railroad crossing, there was an accident and a lawsuit followed. The prosecuting attorney asked the usual questions and then followed up with one important one. On the night of the accident, when you saw the car approaching, did you wave the lantern? The flagman answered, yes, I waved the lantern. And then the attorney for the prosecution continued with other questions, but before long, he came back to the same one. Did you wave the lantern? Yes, I did wave the lantern. The case seemed to hinge on this bit of testimony. The prosecutor realized it, so once more he thundered, Again, I ask you, when you saw the car approaching the crossing, did you wave the lantern? And once again, the flagman answered, I did, yes, I waved the lantern. The railroad company won the case. No damages were awarded. But later, the defense attorney was talking to the flagman, and he said, the prosecuting attorney really had me worried when he kept asking, did you wave the lantern? Did you wave the lantern? Well, said the flagman, what worried me was that he might ask, was the lantern lit? (laughs) But I wonder... How many of us might be waving dead lanterns? We've got a lot going on, no matter our place in life. We've got jobs and kids and grandkids and aging parents and loneliness and struggling children and loss of independence and health issues and bill paying and marital health, all still while we're dealing with the effects of the pandemic, the haze of grief, the anxiety of what may be next. Whatever your story, we all have spiritual needs. And so I wonder, do you have space to work on your spiritual self? Or are you waving a dead lantern? Needing to revive yourself spiritually? Because dead lanterns leave diminished souls. And so I've got two tools for you. Actually, I have more, but two I'm going to talk about. And the first is just about what Michelle Rousseau talked about at our ministry moment. Be a part of a study or a small group. We have 18 right now going on. 
There's daytime classes, there's evening classes, there's once a month book clubs, there's Zoom class, there's Wednesday nights together. There's a, you can take a one-time workshop, right? Or the revival class. I really hope that you will check them out. You can look, find out more at the Chimes, at the website. Cheryl is at the front desk, or at the welcome desk. She'll talk to you. But there's something about being a part of a small group because you enter into a time where you're really able to ask questions and talk about what's on your heart and also talk about what doesn't make sense to you and you learn from each other. And the other thing is, I'm just going to say, read the Bible. Simply spend some time reading it. If you need some advice on where to start, come see me. If I was going to start in the Old Testament, I would start with the Psalms. That's really easy. All you have to do is open your Bible right up to the middle. It opens up to the Psalms. And the Psalms are like songs, like poetry, that speak to us, and they're very personal. In the Psalms, you'll find lots of gratitude and thanksgiving, but you'll also find anger and frustration and some of the real emotions we feel. And you journey with the psalmist as they find their way back to thanksgiving and praise. Or look at the Gospel of Luke. Uh, if you're going to look at any of the Gospels, don't start with Matthew. Matthew is a great Gospel, but it starts with this very long genealogy. And you think, what have I signed up for? So start, start with the Gospel of Luke. It's a, a Gospel that has a lot of stories. Or if you want something just kind of instructional, look at the book of James. Um, and, and just read what James has there for you. Now, sometimes people say they don't want to attend a Bible study because they don't know the Bible. Well, first of all, that might be why to join a Bible study. Um, not everybody knows the Bible well, right? We're all learning. I'm still learning. So try it anyway. Or if you don't want to go till you know the Bible, then, you know, start reading it. Furthermore, as those who have experienced a very difficult time in the life, in our lives, and in the life of our history, a recent American Bible Study uh, Society uh, commissioned study by Baylor University researchers found that combining education about, material, about mental health best practices with Bible reading can have a significant benefit. So if you're reading about best practices for mental health and your Bible, you can find that in their study, they found that it reduced the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, and it increased forgiveness, compassion, and a sense of purpose. So those are two easy ways to revive your spiritual life, and I know not everyone will be able to do it or choose to do that, so I wonder... What else is getting in the way of a closer relationship with God? Is it time? Is it just making yourself a priority? Because sometimes that's hard to do. Making God a priority? Maybe it's not something you can justify, right? You've got too many areas, too many things that you need to be taking care of, and it feels selfish. Or is there something deeper going on? What does it take for you to revive spiritually? Do you just not have the energy or the motivation? Or is there a roadblock? We all have clutter in our lives, and it can overtake us. We have stuff, necessary stuff, stuff that we're expected to have, and stuff we just have. 
Sometimes it's the same spiritually. The clutter takes over and we're paralyzed and so we don't move forward. Clutter-like questions that we wrestle with but don't really seek the answers. Things we wonder about like the accuracy of Bible stories or how does science and faith line up or even how can there really be a God? Or lately, how could God allow this pandemic? We have the questions, but we don't always engage them. Sometimes the clutter comes from messages we've internalized, theologies that have been passed down to us, theologies that make God more like Santa Claus, right? God is looking out for the good and the bad, rewarding the good and punishing the bad. And so we have a shame, a sense of shame in front of a judging God. Or we have a God who we have determined is disappointed in us. We can't please those around us, so how can we please God? These kinds of thoughts, these kinds of things get in our way. Why would we want to get closer to a God who's basically abusive? So you do your best because you're supposed to, right? You go to church, you appreciate the values of the church, but you don't grow yourself because you don't want to face it. You don't dig deeper and explore who God might really be. When my family lived in Clarkston before, we got really good at getting rid of clutter. The church had a rummage sale every spring, and so we went through all of our stuff, and we would bring it over, and um, we did that every spring, spring cleaning, right? It was great. When we lived in Farmington Hills, there was no rummage sale at the church. And there was not a Salvation Army just, you know, half a mile away on the corner. And so everything just accumulated, especially in our basement, which started to look like a rummage sale. So when it was time to move, we had too much stuff. We still do. We had too much stuff. And so that's where Marie Kondo comes in. You know Marie Kondo? She has the philosophy for decluttering, where you take an item, you hold it, and you'll get a feeling. And if that feeling is joy, then you keep it. And if you have no feeling, then you lose it. Here's a video of her explaining this process. Key point for distinguishing items which spark joy from those which don't is to feel the item in your hands. Take each piece of clothing in your hand and see how your body responds. See if it sparks joy in you. When you touch an item that sparks joy, your body would respond this way. feels as if every part or every cell of your body lifts up little by little. This is the sensation your body would feel when you touch items that spark joy. On the contrary, when you touch an item which does not spark joy, you would feel... As such, every part of your body feels like it weighs down. It may look odd as you are just watching, but when you actually feel the item, surprisingly the response from the body would be different than you imagine. 
and you will be more sensitive as you do it. Like so, try it with each and every piece of clothing you own and see if the item makes you happy now that they should remain with you. It's a great idea for clothes and all the stuff that we have around, but also for our spiritual lives. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect thing comes from God. In Christ there is no darkness at all. Therefore, feelings of inadequacy, feelings about a vengeful God, an angry God, a God who rejects us for our humanness, a God who doesn't care when bad stuff happens, those are not feelings of God. They don't bring joy or give love, so discard them. When you think about God loving you, does it spark joy? How do you feel about God being disappointed in you? I'm here to tell you that that feeling, that idea of God being disappointed in you, is not a feeling of God. Every good and perfect thing comes from God. Therefore, those feelings are not of God. You're actually experiencing your own feelings projected on God, but God wants nothing more than a relationship with you. And so I am here to invite you to revive your spiritual lives. Focus on loving God as unconditionally as God loves you. Make God a priority, an essential in your life. Your spiritual health is essential, essential to a life of joy. Growing in your faith helps you to live with joy, to face the hard times, to know that you're not alone. So get to work, because when you do, you'll find that God has already been at work, offering you joy and clarity and hope and possibility. I want to read you again the words from Romans that Brian read to us earlier, this time um, in the message version, Romans 12, 1 to 2. Instead... Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So may it be so. Let's revive. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.